¿Cómo estás, mi gente? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our plática. My name is Paul Saldana. I'm a native East Austinite, born and raised, and I'm proud to be back on the air as a correspondent for Hatahano and serving as a host for our program called Habla y Vota. Yes, I know you're probably saying I'm not interested in hearing about community affairs or la política, but trust me, I know that you'll be able to relate to the issues we want to discuss and share with you Because at the end of the day, all of us are directly impacted by decisions made by our elected officials on the local, state, and national level. And of course, we can't talk about current affairs and La Politica without talking about the latest chisme in the community. And for that part of the program, I'll be turning to my co-producer and fellow chismoso, everyone's favorite hot Tejano DJ, El Mero Mero Chris Tejano Mentristan. What's up, Chris? How are you doing, brother? Good, good. You know, back. Glad, glad to be back on the first episode of of Abla Ivota. Um, I know, man. It's been too long. It's been way too long, and and you know this this season, uh, we've got a lot of great things in store for everyone. Paul, congratulations to you, man. You're a rock star, man. These days, you know, doing it, man. And, and I'm uh, very proud of you uh, and all of your endeavors. And of course, coming up uh, is the Abla Awards. Yeah. Abla Conorgullo Awards are happening, uh, this week. By the time this airs, we can maybe, uh, at our next show, talk about who won and how the program went. So we're looking forward to, to that as we're kicking off Hispanic Heritage Month. That's right. right? Um, as our parents and grandparents say, aquí, aquí estamos y no nos vamos, right? So there's a lot of Latino power in the Austin Travis County community. So yeah. That's right. So today I want to engage our listening audience in a conversation regarding the City of Austin Housing Authority, HACA. And so for those of us who are native Austinites, Chris, you and I, uh, we know all too well about uh, the Housing Authority and, you know, growing up in East Austin yep. uh, and spending time in uh, in the courts, right? Whether it was Rosewood, Chalmers or Santa Rita. And so We have a, a great guest, uh, uh, Silvia Blanco, and I'll, I'll, I'll do a, a, a formal introduction here in a little bit. But I kind of wanted to start with sort of what the vision and the mission, mission is for the City of Austin Housing Authority. So, so their vision is we envision neighborhoods where poverty is alleviated, residents are healthy and safe, and all people have the opportunity to achieve their full potential. And then their mission is to cultivate sustainable, affordable housing communities and partnerships that inspire self-reliance, growth, and optimism. And so, you know, one of the things that people may have already heard in the community is that the Housing Authority has been in the process of redeveloping, really upgrading and modernizing, you know, um, all the courts that we're also familiar with in the heart of East Austin. And I know that all of us thoroughly believe that we all deserve access to quality housing and quality of life. And, you know, it starts where, where we live. And so kudos to Haka, the fact that uh, they're going through this process and in the process of upgrading the amenities and redevelopment, redeveloping and all of the courts in East Austin. So Santa Rita Courts uh, is honoring the legacy and building for the future. So they were the first public housing uh, project in the country uh, under the U.S. Housing Act of 1937. It's been a, a home to many low-income residents in East Austin since 1939. Chris, you and I know a lot of folks, families and friends who grew up uh, at, at Chalmers or Rosewood or, or Santa Rita. Yep. And so we're going to have Sylvia talk a little bit about that. And then, of course, what their plans are as it relates to the redevelopment of Santa Rita. So help us, folks. Let's welcome Silvia Blanco. Silvia, welcome. Let me read a little bit about your bio. It's a couple pages, but I think I, I we got it down to maybe a couple of uh, sentences here. So Silvia 
Blanco is the chief operating officer of the housing authority of the city of Austin. She oversees various facets within the high performing performer agency, uh, including its operations, information technology, and strategic housing initiatives. She provides executive oversight on several key projects, including RAD, which we're going to talk a little bit about today. There's an acronym, and Brigham Health Home, a cross-sector health and wellness program in partnership with the University of Texas's Dell Medical School and Unlocking the Connection. It's a first-of-its-kind digital inclusive initiative aimed at bringing broadband access, technology training, and access to a device for HACA's more than uh, 1,800 public housing families. So she oversees HACA's nonprofit subsidiary called Austin Pathways, which is charged with expanding and enhancing self-sufficiency service delivery to HACA residents. Welcome, Sylvia. Thanks for joining us today. We we welcome you, and we hope that this will not only be your first, but you know, you'll come back and visit us on a regular basis so you can talk about the progress. So, you know, I was talking a little bit about the history of public housing in Austin and, and Santa Rita Court. So uh let's let's talk specifically about let's give us your perspective on public housing in Austin and Santa Rita. Let's start there for our listeners. Absolutely. Well, uh, good evening. Thank you so much, Paul. And and thank you, Chris, for, for the, the warm welcome. And uh, yes, so I've, I've been with Haka for almost 25 years. I, I, I like to joke that I started in middle school. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I've, I've been in Austin since 1988, straight out of wow. high school, um, like, like a lot of folks. Uh, came came to Austin for 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 college and uh, fell in love with with the town and and never went back. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. In, in terms of Santa Rita Courts, it was built in 1939, and Paul, as you mentioned, it was the first in the country under the U.S. Housing Act, and so we're we're extremely proud of that of that legacy and that distinction. Uh, but at the same time, it was built in 1939. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it doesn't have central air. And, you know, we've, wow. we've all been through this brutal summer. That was tough on, on a yeah. lot of folks. So, you know, the, uh, families there, they do get um, AC, but they're window units, right? And mm, yeah. growing up with, with, with uh, window units, they're just not very efficient. They're not very right. cost effective. Uh, but that's why we we know it's it's time it's time to to do better by our families not only that i mean just all of the building systems they date yeah. back to 1939 the plumbing the electrical so a lot of those things are just not up to current code um the the living spaces are are tiny and there's not a whole lot of accessibility for people that have mobility needs and even you know families with young children um, if anyone has been in uh, one of those apartments, the two-story apartments, the stairs themselves are made of concrete. Wow! So, yeah, they they can be quite slippery. They're narrow, and uh, we just we just need to do an a, a complete overhaul and update. And that's what we aim to do. We've been we've been uh, as you know out in the community. We've been talking with a lot of folks, of course, the residents who call Santarita home. Uh, we've been we've been talking with them for a number of years now, and they've they've been waiting patiently. They know that uh, you know it's been it's been time 
for Santa Rita to, to get a, a refresh. And so they are very excited about, about the prospect of rebuilding Santa Rita. But it's also about honoring the, the history and the legacy. And right. so we want to do both. We, we want to make yeah. sure that uh, we provide a, a beautiful, new, modern uh, home. And we also want to celebrate the history and the legacy of Santa Rita. Um, so we've been talking with uh, the, some, some city commissions like the uh, Community, Community Development Commission. Uh, we've reached out to the Hispanic Latino Quality of Life Commission to let yeah. them know mm -hmm. about our, our plans to improve Santa Rita. We've um, chatted with Laras Roundtable. And we've had we've hosted a couple of community meetings as well to get the word out. And we've been gathering all of the feedback that we've been hearing from from the stakeholders and from our residents. And, you know, not not to be surprised, of course, the top of the list is central air. <laughs> you yeah. know, our residents wow. are, you know, are, are really, really wanting central air and they deserve central air. And, and he absolutely. Um, and, and they also would like to have more spacious rooms, more, you know, larger bedrooms, larger bathrooms, and they would like improved parking. Uh, it's, it's a property with only about 65 parking spots because, you know, back in wow. the 1930s, not everyone, you know, had a, had a vehicle. Um, right. so it's definitely underparked. And yeah. so we, we need to also improve the, the, the parking access. And they'd like to see, you know, some some additional amenities out there, maybe some some new uh, playgrounds, some playscapes for for the kiddos, some more uh, nice outdoor spaces for gatherings and some indoor space like for for, you know, computer labs, maybe an exercise room, things of that nature. Maybe even some uh, child care facility uh, for yeah. families uh, because Absolutely. it's so expensive. So expensive. Absolutely. You, you know, as you're talking about these different amenities, and I think we would all agree that, you know, certainly Austin has changed uh, as a city. Gosh, we we now have, what, a, a million people living in the city. And uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, the, the ongoing redevelopment of East Austin has changed quite a bit. And, you know, uh, and I know that, you know, Santa Rita and, and you know, Rosewood and, and Chalmers have seen a lot of new development or redevelopment occur around them. And they're seeing these new houses and these new multifamily complexes being developed with new amenities. And so uh, I think it's wonderful that that Hakka is now uh, at a point where we can do that. Um, remind us, Sylvia, how many families and units do we have at Santa Rita right now? Yes, we have 97 apartments at Santa Rita Courts, so okay. we do have 97 families. It's it's fully wow. it's fully occupied, and wow. uh, as part of the redevelopment process, to your point, like at Rosewood and Chalmers, this has been an opportunity for us to add more affordable housing units, and Santa Rita will be no different. So while we have 97 apartments today we have the opportunity to double that and provide even more affordable housing for families in need. And one thing I do want to, to point out and, and make very clear, because, you know, a lot of folks sometimes wonder, is their rent going to go up because yeah, we're redeveloping, re redeveloping the property? The answer is yes. no. The answer yeah. is no. So they are fully protected 
through uh, the subsidized housing program that uh, they they rent through. It's it's called uh, project based rental assistance, and so their rent is basically thirty percent of their monthly income. Um, so it will continue to be. 30% of their monthly income when the redevelopment is complete. So that, that is a, a huge protection that we uh, are committed to. And of course, the relocation, as, as you can imagine, construction is going to yeah. take place and, and our residents will have to be temporarily relocated, but we will cover all of those expenses and we will yeah. make sure that they have a place to, to, um, to reside while we are rebuilding the property. And then once it's done, they're going to be the first ones to return and we will cover those expenses as well. That's, awesome. that's amazing. That's amazing. That's really amazing. Yeah. I mean, Chris, again, you and I, it's the very beginning. We, we know a lot of families um, and friends who grew up at, at Chalmers uh, and at Santa Rita and, and Rosewood and, and I was reminded, I think, of one of the early community meetings that you did, maybe with the residents. Sylvia uh, had an opportunity to sit in on that. And we were reminded by a couple of residents that uh, things that we, simple things that we take for granted, like hanging up a picture of your family in your apartment, that you're not able to do that because of the walls that are there. Again, you know, the fact that these were built in 1939. And we used to joke around too. I have a friend who was talking to Councilmember Jose Velasquez. Uh, and Constable George Morales the other day, and I can't remember which which uh, friend that we're talking about, but you mentioned the concrete stairs, and they were saying, "Yeah, he used to. We used to fall, and every we would get in trouble because uh, um, uh, the friend's mom would get after them, you know, because somebody would fall and hurt themselves on the stairs. I mean, we laugh about it now, but to your point, it, it's concrete, right? And those things, things like that, that we all take for granted." Um, you know, again, just like hanging up the pictures on the wall, those are things that unfortunately the residents can't do now. And, and I know that's certain something that, uh, gosh, that, that they will be able to, to enjoy moving, moving forward. So let's talk a little bit about the design goals. What, what do you all envision? You talked about the resident survey and, and, you know, the priorities for them, but what are you all envisioning like for the design goals, uh, uh, for, for the new Santa Rita courts? So what we are uh, hoping to achieve with the yeah. new design is number one, as, as I mentioned, providing more, more housing, right? So yeah. we, we hope to at least double the number of, of uh, units. So of course that means we will need to uh, have larger buildings to, to um, achieve that goal. And, and so the current zoning does allow, and of course, affordab affordability unlocked had, has provided a lot of flexibilities with, with the, the design of affordable housing. And so what we envision is having a combination of three-story and four-story buildings at the property, uh, but they will all be connected in terms of walkability, in terms of visitability. Uh, one of the things that we'll, we will incorporate is more accessible units. Uh, by law, we are required to have 5% of the units to be ADA accessible, but we at HACA, we double that. So we will have mm. at least 10% of the units will be fully ADA accessible for families with mobility needs. 
the other thing that we want to, to incorporate with the design is, of course, uh, more parking access for mm, families. Yeah. And we would like to uh, do uh, some limited preservation of the original bungalows. Uh, mm. So we have 11 of the one-story bungalows that are located along Pedernales and 2nd and mm -hmm. Street. And what we would yep. like to do is to uh, take a few of those buildings and renovate them completely from the inside. So they would have all of the same features, all of the spacious rooms that you would find in the new buildings that would mm -hmm. be built. Mm -hmm. And uh, but from the outside, they would basically, you know, tend to look the same as they do today. So we're doing something similar at Rosewood Courts, where we are preserving a number of the original buildings and are completely uh, modernizing them from the inside and we uh, are restoring them from the outside. So that is very expensive, I will add. Yeah. <laughs> it, in fact, yeah. it costs almost 50% uh, more to do a, a renovation unit compared to a new construction unit. And wow. so, you know, bottom line, unfortunately, we, we just can't afford to do 100% of the bungalows, but we can do a, a couple, right? We can do a, you know, a, a small number of those again, to honor that legacy and history. Uh, but we will also want to incorporate some other ways to do some interpretive storytelling, right? Uh, gather the stories of, of, you know, former residents, current right. residents, um, and, and incorporate that uh, through historic markers, through some kiosks, and um, would love to do some exhibits as well. Yes. yes. And so, you know, that, that's, that's real important. I want to, I want to emphasize that, that point, because I think that's one thing that's missing in a lot of redevelopment that happens, not only in East Austin, but, but in Austin is to that very point. Um, and again, mentioning uh, Chris and I are native Austinites. You've been here since 1988. Uh, and, and we have a, a guest that's also on. He's quiet, Marco Marco Mancias, who's also joining us. And he's he and Sylvia have one thing. Hello, hello. They're both from the valley, but that's another conversation <laughs> maybe we'll get into. Yes, they are. But, but what what I heard you say pretty loud and clear is among the design goes is respecting and embracing the site's history. And and it sounds to me like you all are committed to placekeeping, allowing uh the residents and the community to basically interpret or tell and maintain their lived experience uh, in East Austin and there in Santa Rita. So it sounds like you have a plan. And one of the things I think I love about Austin is, is our commitment to cultural arts, murals, public spaces, those types of things. You mentioned the kiosk and storytelling. That's very, very important. And sometimes that can be a little sensitive conversation, but the fact that that is among your design goals uh, is I know uh, uh, would be it will be very uh, appreciated by not only by your residents but native East Austinites. The fact that you all are you all are committed to doing that, Sylvia. Yes, absolutely, and it, it is important. It, it's a an important commitment, and we are we're proud of it. We're, we're proud of uh, wanting to tell the stories and and to preserve preserve that culture and, and history for, for future generations. Uh, so we, we knew that that was going to be a, a critical element 
to this redevelopment process and, and it will continue to be. Uh, one of the other things that I wanted to mention is um, the amenities that we want to have will also include just a lot of green space, uh, the, the courtyard feel, especially around the original bungalows. We, we intend to preserve that because that's part of that, that historic preservation component. Absolutely. Uh, the, the heritage trees. We have some beautiful, beautiful heritage trees on that site, and we intend to, of course, preserve all, all of those beautiful heritage trees and uh, just really connect the property from from the from one end of the the property to the other. Uh, we want it to be very, very uh, interconnected. Uh, one of the features that we are exploring very seriously is an opportunity to create a childcare center wow. on the site. Uh, we, we recognize that it's, it's just so expensive for working families to, to be Absolutely. able to afford quality childcare. And we want to find a way to, to bring a preschool to, to the site. And I Amazing. think that will, you know, uh, lend itself very nicely to the the great uh, neighborhood schools that are right there, just a stone's throw away, like Zavala Elementary. Uh, so, so we are we are looking at some partnerships to to bring, um, you know, it would be free on site childcare for our families. Wow, wow! So it, it's oh. free and to our listeners. It's free, <laughs> free ninety nine capital F R E E. Chris, did you hear that? Free, free, free. Well, you know, one of the one of the repetitive themes and issues that we always talk about. Um, the first year we did the show was um, issues centered around affordability, and one of the things that always came up was you know how childcare is so expensive and just families mm -hmm. are having to make that very difficult decision of having to move somewhere else because they can't afford to live here in Austin and because they can't afford to the child care. So they have to go to other yeah. places where maybe it's a little inexpensive, a little bit more cheaper to live so that they can have the extra money to put their kids in, in, in childcare. And one of the other things we always talk about is the demo, the demographics of Latinos in Austin. So, you know, while we're hearing the stats and numbers, our Latino community in Texas continues to grow by leaps and bounds. We're now the single majority demographic, largest population in the state. Um, and in Austin, you know, we're 33%. Our population is still growing, but we represent a lower percentage of the overall population because our people can't afford to live here. And one of the primary reasons is, again, the child care aspects of it, because literally that requires, you know, the, you know, if you have, if you're fortunate to have a two parent home situation, one of the parents is working full time just to pay for child care, just to pay for child care. And so that that's unfortunate. And uh, what a wonderful opportunity that that you all are thinking about those much needed, important wraparound quality of life, you know, initiatives uh, like child care, free child care for for our residents that live there. They deserve it. And you mentioned earlier, 97 families. Uh, there are a lot of children who live there. Right. And so they deserve that. That's amazing. That's great. Yes, absolutely. And and I, I just. Just in, in case uh, my team members hear me say that, I, I just want to, pref I guess, uh, clarify we're, we're, we're in the exploration right. stages of that. 
to provide it. So I, yes. I can't guarantee right now sure. it is sure. it is happening, but we are actively exploring uh, that 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 resource. And you know, on on a personal level, I remember because I, I I have kiddos of my own, and I remember back back in those days when they were. Uh, very young, still, you know, preschool age. And I, I remember those days when I used to pay more in, in childcare mm-hmm. than I did in, in my mortgage payment. Uh, Absolutely. It was just, yeah, so expensive. And of course you, you want to provide, you know, the best quality childcare for, for your children, you know? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. So, well, so well, Chris knows about childcare. How many kids do you have, Chris? I have three, <laughs> but they're all grown. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Just making sure. Okay. Okay. You know, Sylvia, he was nodding his head when you were talking about your personal experience. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of folks can relate to, to that predicament of Absolutely. having to pay more sometimes in childcare than, than in your house payment. I, I remember, yeah. I remember working night and day because my yes. wife worked, has worked for the state for years, but I remember working night and day just mm. to pay the babysitter so that we could go, yes. you know, to work every day, which, yep. you know, was ultimately yeah. her grandmother. And then it was, it was a uh, childcare, you know, putting our kids in daycares yeah. and stuff like that. And it, it gets, it gets pricey. Yeah, yes, it does. absolutely. Well, let's talk about, uh, and, and to your point and to remind everybody, that, you know, these are aspirational goals and everything uh, is not free and it, and it costs money. Right. And so I know mm-hmm. that you all have a, a, a a redevelopment timeline that you're working on, you know, going to the you know the planning design. Then you have to apply for funding, and then hopefully the funding comes through, and then you start potentially the construction. So let's talk a little bit more to educate our our listeners a little bit more about the about the the timeline uh, and and what you foresee uh, as, as how this can move forward. Absolutely. So for the rest of 2023, we are wrapping up the uh, planning phase and we are going to be finalizing the site plan. So what what does that site plan ultimately look like? And really it's about, you know, the number of buildings, the number of apartment units that will be um, planned. And then once uh, that's wrapped up by the end of, of this year, and, and of course, we're already, you know, in September, we'll, we'll be in December before we know it. In early 2024, in January, we submit what's called a pre-application to the state of Texas mm-hmm. for, uh, for funding. And that's through a uh, low-income housing tax credit program. Uh, so that will go in in January. Then in March, we uh, finalize that application and, and submit the formal application. And then, you know, we, we, we light the velas. <laughs> we, yes, uh, yes, absolutely. We, 100%. Uh, we pray and, and we uh, cross <laughs> our fingers. And hopefully in uh, July, we, we get an award. Uh, for funding. And then we're off to the races in terms of relocation for our families. As I mentioned, we cover all of those expenses for our families. We also work with them um, on a household to household basis to determine what their needs are 
if they want to stay in the neighborhood while construction's happening, if they want to move closer to another part of town, we we help them throughout all of that process. And then in 2025, the actual construction begins. So wow. that should probably last about, you know, 18 to 24 months in terms of active construction. Uh, of course, you know, weather and other things um, are, are always a factor, but uh, we should hopefully be ready to um, welcome back our families and welcome new families. Yes. In, uh, yeah, about late 2026, early 27. If, if we're lucky. Um, but uh, as, as Paul, as you mentioned, it's all subject to funding. And right. that's why we um, are going to be asking, continuing to, to ask for the community's support for this project. We feel it's very, very important that we continue to uh, enhance and improve quality of life for the families that we serve, not only today's families, but for future generations as well. We want this to be an asset for the next 80 years. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and that's a perfect segue in how our community and our listeners can can get involved. Um, and so, you know, one of the things when we'll post this and we'll put a website and an email address. Um, but we before we went uh, on the air, we we mentioned to Sylvia that one of the last things we'll always try and do is what's the call to action for our community. And, you know, I think uh, uh, this is a, a great opportunity for our long term, long time East Austin residents deserve new amenities and programs and services to improve their quality of life. And, and this one in particular is very important to our Mexican-American Latino community uh, because this one was specifically set aside or designed for our Mexican-American residents. And as we said, you know, we know a lot of families and friends who grew up there at Santa Rita and what a great opportunity to ensure that, uh, you know, new amenities come forward. I know even just uh, as recent as a month ago or so uh, over at, at Chalmers, that one of the things that was incorporated into that redevelopment was a new healthcare clinic. Is that correct, Sylvia? Can you talk a little bit about that? And, and yes. so like, that's a good example of something we could aspire to do maybe with Santarita, although the, the childcare sounds like it's a, it's a great opportunity as well, but talk about the health clinic at, at Chalmers. Yes, that was a great partnership with community care clinics and with central health. Uh, as part of the redevelopment that we did at, at Chalmers East, we uh, actually did an adaptive reuse of two of the original buildings. And so community care used it for a health clinic and a dental clinic right mm. there on site for our Chalmers families and for the surrounding community. And so it is literally right right outside their, their back doors. They have access to quality, affordable healthcare and dental care. And we, uh, yeah, we're super excited. We had a, a wonderful grand opening uh, just, a, just a month ago out there. And so, yeah, we're just so excited to have that partnership to be able to provide that that uh, great amenity, literally uh, just just right outside their their uh, their back doors. That's awesome. Absolutely, that's great. That's great. Well, Chris, any questions from you? Again, I mean, I, I, I've done a lot of talking, but again, you you know, yeah. Austin. 
Yes. Brother, what, what's your what's your memories of, of a Santarita well, and Chalmers I, and Rosewood, brother? I, I grew up in all of that area. So um, yeah. Santarita Courts, uh, I actually lived just on the other side of Calle Limon. So, but I had mm. friends who lived in all three places. So yeah. back then it was kind of forbidden to go across airport, <laughs> but uh, you know, that we would, and uh, we always end up, you know, in those areas uh, where our friends were, you know, I remember playing uh, football on the street and, you know, yeah. uh, playing baseball on the street uh, right outside Santa Rita courts. And it's something that, that is always going to be a part of Austin and especially our, our Hispanic community is going to be a big part for ge- generations to come. I'm just curious as to how the, I guess, the gentrification process has t- that has taken place on the east side, would this affect that in any way? Like, I mean, I guess it's protected, like you said, right? As far as going up on the rent and stuff like that. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, we are we are not going to turn this into luxury townhomes or you know condos that we're going to sell. We are um, so for number one, there is a land use restriction on the land itself that in perpetuity it is for affordable housing and subsidized housing. Uh, so. We are going to continue the legacy of providing deeply affordable and subsidized housing at Santa Rita and really at all of our properties. And just to reiterate, through the uh, through through the HUD subsidies, the rents for our families will continue to be at thirty percent of their monthly income. So. Their, their rents are not going to get jacked up or, you know, or, or spiked just because they're going to be moving into a brand new apartment. That's awesome. That's, that's, that says a lot because, um, I, I, you know, as we've, we all know the gentrification is abroad in the East Austin yes. area. So, yes. um, a few years ago we had to sell our family home. Um, none of us lived there, but we had to do it. And because of that, I, that was my question because, and then thank you for the clarification, but because I've seen so much gentrification and even in the neighborhood that I've lived in and the building, right. they're, they're building up, not out. So it's like right. two or three story homes, you know? So I'm glad yeah. that, that it's, it's not going to, to affect them in any way. So that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it, it- it, it allows the families to stay there, uh, to come back or who live there, they can come back, uh, and, and stay there. And I think that's, which nowadays, to your point, Chris, you know, seeing the, the tremendous amount of growth, redevelopment East Austin and displacement gentrification occurring, I think this is another added value where again, 97 families and to Sylvia's point with the new redevelopment, the site plan and what's proposed. You is it you're going to be potentially doubling the number of potential families that could live there, or at least increasing the number of units significantly, so that more familias, maybe who already live in Austin, who qualify, but there's not enough units for them now, could potentially move into to the to the new Santa Rita. So it's a great opportunity for sure. And I I would be remiss if I didn't point out that uh, we do intend to continue to provide 
uh, and create housing for families, not mm, for yes. single adults, but this, so it'll have one. Sorry, Marco, you can't live here, brother. Bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Familias, families, married, Family children. Only. Got this it. is not a Marco conversation. Okay. <laughs> got it, got it. Yeah. So we'll have three bedrooms, even four bedroom apartments. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Part of this redevelopment, because it's important. As you know, a lot of these uh, neighborhood schools have suffered with low enrollment over the years. So we want to make sure that we have an opportunity here to help support the neighborhood schools like Zavala Elementary. And so, yeah, these uh, larger bedroom units, twos, threes and fours will help us to support uh, the, the great neighborhood schools of East Austin. That's fantastic. Okay, so let's get the call to action. So what I heard you say, Sylvia, uh, the way our community can help is, of course, ask questions, uh, share this information about this opportunity with the neighbors uh, and and to our listeners who are listening, Native East Austinites, those who live in Austin or Central Texas, uh, share this information. They can go to a website called Adelante Santa Rita. If you just Google that, it'll take you to the website and there you'll find more information about this proposed redevelopment. You will find a link to a survey where we're uh, really uh, pushing and encouraging our, our community, our Rasa, to give feedback about the potential redevelopment. You can also send comments directly to Haka. There's a website. Uh, if you send your emails to Adelante Santarita at hakanet.org. Uh, those questions, comments will get to Sylvia and her team. And if you just continue to monitor the Adelante Santarita website, uh, you'll find updates. And I believe you can also, Sylvia, if you go to that website, you can sign up for an email list. And that keeps, keeps the community informed about any uh, future opportunities for there to be meetings or just to ask questions. Is that correct? That's exactly right. Yes. All right. All right. All right. Well, Sylvia, we're out of time, but thank you so much for joining us and kudos to you. The fact that you're a Latina, you're the chief operating officer at Haka. You've been there for 25 uh, years. Uh, I think you said you, 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 after your quinceanera, you started working at Haka. <laughs> so, right. you know, you know, so, you know, so, you know, kudos to them for hiring you. But the fact yes. that you have a strong, smart, intelligent Latina as a leader of the city of Austin's uh, housing authority. Uh, I think it's a statement itself. So thank you for your leadership because I know at the end of the day, all of this is also part of your passion because you would not have been in this position for 25 years if you don't have the passion to serve our community. So kudos to you for your leadership and for making a difference and for helping to improve the lives of so many people in our community. So kudos to you, the fact that you've been there in that leadership position, Sylvia. We appreciate that very much. Thank you so much, Paul, for, for the kind words. And, you know, I, I just have to say, you know, as a daughter of uh, migrant farm workers, you know, growing up in the Valley who had an eighth grade education, it's important for me to yeah, continue to, to find ways to help elevate our community. And um, so it, it it is a passion. It is a passion for, for me. And, uh, thank you for thank you for the time. Appreciate the opportunity to to share what the, the great work that we're doing here with Satarita. Thank you so much, and we look forward thank to you. having you, so that we can then share some good news. Hopefully, we'll keep our fingers crossed, and we'll be able to come come back and share some great news with our listeners about uh, 
uh, how we'll be able to move forward with this redevelopment for Santarita. Don't forget to join us every weekend uh, right here in Hot Tejano. We plan to bring additional community leaders, candidates, panelists, uh, leaders to talk about community affairs, La Politica, El Chisme. We didn't get too much in the Chisme today, but next time for sure we will do that. Uh, and of course, we'll talk about the importance of our voices and our votes right here on Abla Ibota. Thank you to my co-producer, Chris Tejano-Mantristan, and to our listeners. Thank we'll you. Send, see you next week. See, send it back over to Chris. Chris. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Abla Ibota.